I'd like to encourage you to bow with me in prayer for just a moment. Wonderful Lord God and Heavenly Father, how great you truly are. You are glorious in holiness. You are majestic in praises. The whole earth indeed is full of your glory. Thank you that you are Lord of lords, God of gods. You are mighty and great. Thank you that you have sent your Son, Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior. And thank you for sending the Holy Spirit into the world and into our hearts by faith in the Savior, that he might lead us to yourself and be the great revealer and interpreter of your word. We're so grateful that you've revealed yourself to us and that we can know you and walk with you and love you and experience your love. And it's in the wonderful name of our Savior, and for his sake we do pray. Amen. Well, it is a delight to welcome you here this morning, and we appreciate so much the praise team and uh, the opportunity to worship the Lord God together. It's certainly been a rich time of singing, and I, I know you've been blessed as you have sung along with us. I read a survey question uh, a few weeks ago in which people were asked a very fascinating question about God. Here's the question. They were asked, how do you prefer to think about God as a friend or as a king? Now, what do you suppose the majority chose? Well, if you answered friend, you are right. In fact, it was a very large majority in answer to that question, three-fourths of the respondents said they preferred to think of God as a friend rather than a king. Now what is so intriguing about that is not once is God or Jesus described in the Bible as our friend. I want you to think about that with me for just a moment. Abraham is called the friend of God three times, but God is never called Abraham's friend. Jesus called his disciples friends three times, but never did they call him their friend. And Jesus' enemies called him the friend of sinners, but he never referred to himself that way. How is it then that so many people prefer to think of God or Jesus as their friend instead of as their king? Well, I think, and you would probably agree with me, that it depends on what we mean by the word friend, doesn't it? Now, surely Jesus is the best friend any sinner ever had, and I know we would all say amen to that. But if we think of Jesus like a typical human friend, that's a problem. In fact, that's a very big problem. Because we can easily have a skewed view of God or Jesus if we think of them in that way. And a skewed view of God or Jesus will be a great problem to our Christian life. Pastor A.W. Tozer, in his classic work, The Knowledge of the Holy, and he got that title from the book of Proverbs, spoke to this very issue. And I want you to listen to what he said. He said the church has surrendered her once lofty concept of God and has substituted for it one so low, so ignoble as to be utterly unworthy of thinking, worshiping people. 
This low view of God, said Tozer, is the cause of a hundred lesser evils everywhere among us. Well, what is the solution for what Tozer was putting his finger on? Well, I think the answer is to recover the fear of the Lord. That's the answer. Now, last Sunday, as we looked at the theme verse of the, book, of the book of Proverbs, we discovered that the fear of the Lord is the theme of Proverbs. It is the key to the entire book. And so we began a message entitled, The Fear of the Lord, from Proverbs 1-7, that I would like to conclude this morning. And if you have a Bible, I really would encourage you to turn to the first chapter of Proverbs. And let me again read for you this very singular, important verse, which is the theme of the whole book. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now we can look at this phrase, the fear of the Lord, in three ways. We can see its essence, then our entrance into it, and finally, uh, its expression in our lives. So its essence, our entrance into it, and its expression in our lives. Now last week we looked at its essence, and what is the fear of the Lord? Well, it is to stand in awe of the Lord. As a Christian, when we stand in awe of the Lord, we are standing in the fear of the Lord. But now this morning, let's move to its entrance. How do we enter into the fear of the Lord? And it is this way, by a covenant relationship with the Lord. We enter into this fear of the Lord by a covenant relationship with the Lord. Did you know that the fear of God and the fear of, Lord, of the Lord is not the same thing? There is a difference between those two. The fear of God is God's general revelation of himself in the human conscience. Even non-believers have a conscience that distinguishes right from wrong. And all people instinctively know they are accountable to God even though they may not be pursuing a relationship with God. That's the fear of God. But the fear of the Lord is different. The fear of the Lord is God's special revelation to those who are in a covenant relationship with him. The Lord is God's covenant name. And his covenant name is only given to his covenant people. What is interesting is you will never find the phrase, the fear of God, in Proverbs. But 19 times you will find the fear of the Lord. What that is telling us then is Proverbs is a covenant book. It is for a covenant people. Proverbs then will not benefit everyone. Everyone is invited. The invitation goes to all, but only those who respond in personal trust and come to know the Lord in that personal relationship will profit from this book. Proverbs 29:25 says this, "The fear of man is a snare, but everyone who trusts in the Lord is safe." Now, when we read the fear of man, we expect the fair parallel phrase to be the fear of the Lord. 
But instead, in that verse, we read the parallel phrase to the fear of man is those who trust in the Lord. You know what that's telling us? The fear of the Lord and trusting in the Lord are the same thing. So the fear of the Lord is a correct relationship we enter into when we place our deep trust in him and come into a personal relationship. Now in the Old Testament, people put their trust in the Lord because of the Abrahamic covenant. But in the New Testament, people put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ because of the new covenant in his shed blood. So here's the question for every single one of us this morning. Are you in a new covenant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ because you have entered that relationship by a deep trust in what he's done for you at the cross and in his resurrection? Apart from that relationship, this book of Proverbs will do you no good because you are not pursuing the Lord by faith. That's why verse 7 tells us fools despise the Lord's wisdom and instruction. You can't live the Lord's life without the Lord himself in your life. You will not want to, nor will you be able to. You remember what Pharaoh said when he was confronted by Moses? The Bible tells us in Exodus 5 verse 2 that Pharaoh said this, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? I do not know the Lord, said Pharaoh, therefore I will not let Israel go. You see, to live the Lord's life, you must have the Lord in your life. To live the Lord's life, you must have the Lord in your life. And let me give to you and to myself a a little key to that this morning. It is your awe of him that will cause you to want to know him and to put your trust in his son. It is when you begin to awe him as we just were singing together, that that will cause you to want to know him and then to put your trust in his son. You see, we enter this fear of the Lord by a covenant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, now, thirdly, we can look at the expression of the fear of the Lord in our lives. Uh, One Bible teacher has said this, the fear of the Lord is awe that leads to action. Oh, how that gripped my heart when I read that. If there's anything you would retain today from this message, I hope it would be this. The fear of the Lord is awe that leads to action. You see, if we stand in awe of the Lord, then certain actions will follow. And what are those actions that would indicate We have the fear of the Lord, and we stand in awe of him. Well, there are at least three of them that are found in the book of Proverbs. I'm sure there are many more, but let me give you these three this morning. 
First of all, if we have the awe of the Lord that leads to action, it will show itself in loving respect of the Lord. It will show itself in loving respect of the Lord. It is very interesting when we go back to the first five books of the Old Testament, the books of Moses, and we begin to see this covenant term, the fear of the Lord introduced, we discover that it is parallel to the love of the Lord. The fear of the Lord and the love of the Lord are parallel expressions. Let me read for you from Deuteronomy 10 and verse 12. And if you look there, you'll notice what it says. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and then notice this, to love him. To serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So there Moses is telling us that to fear the Lord is parallel to love the Lord. And obviously that has to make sense because if we are in awe of someone, then we also would love that person. But this love that the Bible is talking about is a special kind of love. Seven times in the book of Proverbs, it is described as steadfast love. And five out of those times, it is joined with faithfulness. Proverbs 16.6 is very insightful because it says steadfast love and faithfulness and then parallels it with the fear of the Lord. So that Solomon is telling us there in Proverbs 16.6 that the fear of the Lord leads to steadfast love and faithfulness to the Lord. Now that is a reference to covenant love, isn't it? When a husband and a wife are in a covenant relationship in marriage, what kind of love do they demonstrate to each other? Well, they demonstrate steadfast love and faithfulness. And when we see that kind of love coming from a married couple, what we know is that is a reflection of their covenant relationship with each other. Many of us know that Pilgrim's Progress was authored by Pastor John Bunyan. It is the best-selling book of all time. But Pastor Bunyan also authored a number of other books, one of them entitled The Fear of God the fear of God. And I want you to listen to Pastor Bunyan's insight because it is very perceptive at this point. Listen to what he said. Christian, let God's distinguishing love to you be to you a motive to fear him greatly. Remember that this fear of the Lord is his treasure. It is a choice jewel. Now, what was Pastor Bunyan saying? He was saying that it is God's special, unique love for his covenant children that motivates our awe of him. And this awe of him causes us to love him, and our love of him is a treasure, it is a choice jewel to him.
If you knew something was a treasure to your spouse and you could get for them what they treasured, if that was in your means, you would get it for them. For our 25th anniversary, my daughter took me to a local jeweler and pointed out some rings that I could get as an anniversary gift for my wife. And I knew if I purchased that ring that my wife would treasure that ring. Now, I didn't know how much it was going to cost until the jeweler revealed to me the cost, and it was a little sum. It really was. But I knew if I bought that ring on our 25th anniversary for my wife, she would treasure that ring. And so, even though it cost me, I was so happy to purchase it for her. You see, one of the signs that we stand in awe of God is we have a deep, deep desire to give to him what he treasures. And we know that what he treasures is our loving respect. It is a choice jewel to him. And therefore, when we stand in awe of God and we have entered by faith into that covenant relationship with him, that choice jewel, that treasure that we know pleases his heart, we will long to give him. Now, here is a second action that Proverbs says comes out of our awe of the Lord. It is humble teachability before the Lord. Humble teachability before the Lord. Two times in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is connected with humility. Let me read for you verse 33 of chapter 15. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. Now notice here that the fear of the Lord then is parallel to uh, humility before the Lord. And notice that the verse tells us that humility is defined by instruction. In fact, four times in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is connected with the knowledge of God. Listen to Proverbs 2.5 and notice what it says. To find the knowledge of God is to understand the fear of the Lord. So notice here, if we want to understand the fear of the Lord, it will come by finding the knowledge of God. And it's when we are finding the knowledge of God that we are standing in awe of the Lord. So think about this. The fear of the Lord is bound up in taking a posture of humble teachability before the Lord. The fear of the Lord is bound up in taking a posture of humble teachability before the Lord. I remember hearing Billy Graham talk about what happened when he became a Christian as a teenager. Before that, he had no interest in his pastor's sermons on Sunday. They were of no real value to him. But then as a teenager, Billy Graham had a very, very clear conversion, and the fear of the Lord came into his life. 
And he said he found that he began to have a growing interest in his pastor's sermons. He would come home from church after Sunday and he would say to his parents, my, that was an interesting sermon that Pastor Lindsay preached this morning, wasn't it? And Billy Graham said he asked this question of himself, what was happening? What was taking place in his life? Well, he said, I was listening with new ears. I was listening with new ears. What that means, and clearly what Proverbs is saying, is this. The fear of the Lord changes your ears. It opens your ears to the Lord. I began to wonder, in my own reading of Proverbs, how many times does the word listen appear? How many times? Are you ready? Sixteen times. That's over half the chapters in Proverbs. Let me read for you one of those, which is Proverbs 8, and listen to verse 34. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Do you see the intensity there? Do you see the deep desire? Do you see the longing for the knowledge of God waiting daily at the gates, waiting beside the doors, longing to listen to the Lord, to learn about Him? When your ears start to become humble and teachable, that is a sign that you have begun to experience the fear of the Lord. So this awe that leads to action, it is a loving respect of the Lord, a humble teachability before the Lord. And then Proverbs says there is at least a third action that flows from this awe. It is hating sin with the Lord. Hating sin with the Lord. Of the 19 times the fear of the Lord appears in Proverbs, the majority of the uses are contrasted with evil. Six of those uses are contrasted with evil. It is the majority. Let me read for you one of those, which is Proverbs 8 and verse 13. Listen to what it says. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. Now there, Proverbs and Solomon is teaching us two things about the fear of the Lord. Number one, our love for God will give us a strong aversion to sin in our lives. Our love for God, which flows from our awe of God, will give us a strong aversion to sin in our lives. Does that describe you? Does it describe me? The word hate here is a very strong word. It means to dislike, and it has the basic idea of rejecting something. Uh, Jack Kemp was a uh, well-known uh, pro football player, and he was a U.S. congressman. 
And he said something very insightful that I came across this week. Listen to what he said. He said, there are two reasons people obey the law. They love God or they fear punishment. Now that's very insightful from a former football player and congressman. Two reasons why people obey the law. They love God or they fear punishment. Now since the fear of the Lord is parallel to the love of God for believers, it's the first. We love God. So the Bible can use either expression. Here it is the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. But in Psalm 97.10 we read, O you who love the Lord, hate evil. So to be in awe of God is to love God. And to love God is to hate evil. And if you want a stronger aversion of sin in your own life, it will come as you cultivate your awe of God. Because out of that awe will come a love of God. And when you love God, you will hate the sin that is within you. The second thing we learn from this verse, Proverbs 8.13, is the fear of the Lord will do a thorough job as we cultivate this relationship with him. In verse 13 here, Solomon shares with us all the dimensions of sin. He mentions pride and arrogance, which is the self-centered attitude from which all sin springs. Then he mentions the way of evil. Those are the sinful deeds that spring out of pride and arrogance. And then finally he says, perverted speech, which is the corrupt, twisted words that express the sin that is in our hearts. The expression of this repetition of this word, I hate, at the end of the verse then tells us the fear of the Lord does a complete job. It purges every area of our life, our attitudes, our deeds, and our words. Never perfectly this side of heaven, but thoroughly as we develop this fear of the Lord. If I were to ask all of us this morning, how many of us would like to have a more thorough dealing with sin in our lives? Wouldn't all of us say yes? Wouldn't we immediately all say yes? Yes, I, I long to deal with pride and arrogance. I, I want to deal more effectively with the way of evil. The perverted, twisted, corrupted words that spring from that pride and arrogance I long to see that more pure, purged and purified. Oh Lord, we would cry, do a more thorough work of dealing with sin in my life. And now what do we discover? We discover it happens as we cultivate our awe of God. 
Pastor Ray Ortland again, is so very helpful to us here. He puts his finger right on what the Bible is teaching. Listen to what he says. We do not change for the better by turning inward. We all know that's true. I'll never forget a professor of mine saying, the self is a black pit of despair. And if we turn inward to the self for answers to our sin problem, what we will discover is the self is a black pit of despair. It will offer us no hope. But listen to how Pastor Ortland continues. We change as we turn outward and upward to the Lord with an awakened sense of his sheer reality, his moral beauty, his eternal grandeur, infinitely above us and yet relevant to us. Well, that's the fear of the Lord. That's this awe that the Bible is talking about. And the more that we grow in that awe of God, the more we will love Him, the more we will listen to Him, and the more He will work in our lives to help us to deal so more thoroughly with the sin within us. Listen again to what this awe of the Lord is. We change as we turn outward and upward to the Lord with an awakened sense of his sheer reality, his moral beauty, his eternal grandeur, infinitely above us, but always relevant to us. Oh Lord, help us to have this wonderful awe of you. Would you bow together with me in prayer? Just before I pray, I want to extend the invitation that this book gives. While it is a book for a covenant people, it invites everyone to come into the new covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're watching today and you're not sure you've entered into that covenant relationship, you can turn to him now. You can repent, turn from your own way, and you can turn to the Lord. You can thank him that he sent his son for you, that he went to the cross and died to pay for your sins, that he rose again. And he did it so that you might have forgiveness of sins, a transformed life, and come into a relationship with the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then as you develop your awe of what it means to be in that relationship, he will work in your life in a wonderful way as you love him, listen to him, and by his Spirit's enablement, help you to deal with the sin that remains in your life. If you are here today and you have any questions about that, turn to the Lord where you are now. And if you have any questions that we can help you with, just feel free to contact us here at Bethel in Marquette, Michigan. And then for those of us who know the Lord, let's pray and ask the Lord to enable us to develop this awakened sense of his sheer reality, his moral beauty, his eternal grandeur, 
which certainly is way above us, but is always relevant to us. It is the fear of the Lord that will make all the difference in our Christian walk. Thank you, blessed Lord. For your sake we pray. Amen.